0: Hello, beautiful people. You are listening to the Communal Table Podcast, part of Food & Wine Pro. I'm your host, Kat Kinsman, Senior Editor at Food & Wine. My guest today, I (laughs) slid into her DMs. Month or so ago, uh, because I've been thinking about a dish that she made since I think it was May. Um, she made a dessert at the uh, gala dinner for for the uh, for Mofad for an upcoming exhibition called "From Africa to America," and she made a. Uh, We'll get further into the details of this particular cake, but let's say I ate it with my hands and haven't been able to stop thinking about it. Welcome, Jessica Craig.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. So
0: just <laughs> nailing down your title here, Executive Pastry Chef at Lartusi, and yes. uh, some other side things you do too. Um,
1: so I'm Executive Pastry Chef at Lartusi Restaurant, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I don't really have any side gigs going well, on. Well, the
0: ricotta, let's say the ricotta. <laughs> oh, well, yes. I do you make ricotta for... It. <laughs>
1: For and for a restaurant as well as Lartuzi as well. That's our number one seller.
0: Yeah, and I was just laughing about that because she sort of downplayed that, and I'm like, that is kind of a big deal. Like, don't don't sell yourself short on that. I really
1: shouldn't because we sell a lot. Okay,
0: let's say what a lot. Like, is that like gallons worth? Is that like
1: for sure? Because uh, our batch that we make is probably how many gallons? It's fourteen, probably like a. 20 half-gallon batch.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: It's probably bigger than that. I'm probably downplaying it a lot. My math is probably so off. But um, (laughs) we sell – we we canal it when we sell it, and we probably go through um, on a slow night anywhere between 40 to 50 orders.
0: Oh, my gosh. Okay. And I just saw you doing math in your head. (laughs) So much of pastry is math. Yes, it is. Oh, my gosh. So let's back up for a second to this dessert that you made that was – I mean, I – I wanted to eat it that night, but we'd been having courses from an incredible range of chefs whose food I absolutely love. Like Kwame Onwache made his a stew. He's, t- he's actually talked about it on this podcast before. Nice. Uh, yeah, uh, JJ talked about uh, some of his, his rice on on the podcast before, and, stuff, and I was just, Ed Mitchell was there, who's my favorite pit master of all time. Well, I say that, and also Rodney Scott was there, who's my other Fitmaster and it was just this like glorious array of food and uh, i didn't want to give short shrift to this cake because i knew it was so special so it, it held up the next day and may have even been better but can you talk about what this cake was what the inspiration was for it and why that particular packaging was so important
1: uh so the dessert that we made for mofad was a rhubarb upside down cake with um sweet tea cream raspberry jam not raspberry jam sorry because this is going back to May. I'm trying to remember. It was strawberry. strawberry I that jam. on your Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> strawberry jam. And then we did um, a dehydrated uh, rhubarb chip to go with it. That's what... Th- oh, okay. Because <laughs> right there was an
0: extra... Just th- like the sour, the tartness of that chip. was yes. such a beautiful thing.
1: Um, so the thought behind it was the shoebox lunch, which came about because of uh, se- segregation um, back before integration happened and due to civil rights and things like that. And it was interesting because when I was tasked with doing this, um, actually Peter Kim yeah reached out to me to, actually he reached out to <laughs> one of our managing partners who forwarded the email to me and I was actually floored because he asked for me by name. And I looked at it and I'm just like, who am I like why is he <laughs> reaching out to me but at the same time I'm you you. <laughs> um, very flattered and he actually overheard me speaking about it because he was just like you shouldn't downplay yourself the way that you do
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I looked at him and I'm like you're right and of course, apologizing as women always do.
0: I was like, Just, yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> apologizing for apologizing. Exactly. It's, it's so meta. Oh my gosh. I find myself doing it and I have to break the habit of it.
1: It's it's so hard. I, I'm breaking myself out of a lot of habits, mm-hmm. but um, to get back to the dessert. So um, when I was tasked to do this, I did a lot of homework and also realizing that there isn't a lot. Of information on the shoebox lunch. And Mm -hmm. essentially what it was was um, a packaged meal that most African Americans would pack for themselves for their day, whether it be when they're going to school, going to work, just so they had some place to eat because there were no safe spaces for them to go to. Um, As far as like eating in public, apparently that wasn't Mm -hmm. a cool thing to do.
0: And you couldn't go to restaurants necessarily and know that you were going to be welcomed and treated like human.
1: Exactly. So essentially what came about from that is, is what has been coined as a shoebox lunch, which is was typically um, like a piece of cake, um, fried chicken, you know, just essentially, or a sandwich, just essentially things that would hold through the day. Um, and so I was trying to think of something that would be a little bit, and I hate using the word elevated, like mm-hmm. just a little bit. um
0: would up? Chef'd up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, But at the same time, pay homage to the history behind, Mm -hmm. you know, what the shoebox lunch is. So uh, we definitely decided on an upside down cake. And given that the event was in May, we figured um, I I honestly wanted to originally do strawberry, but. Mm -hmm quickly realized that strawberry wouldn't hold up as an upside down cake. Right. <laughs> um so we decided on rhubarb. We tested mm-hmm. it. Um worked out well. Me and my sous chef kind of put our our heads together for this dish. Um and I was really set on doing a sweet cream tea, well, sweet tea cream.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um mainly because sweet tea is such a huge staple in the south and I figured in cream form like infusing the tea and like just getting like the lemon flavor in there it would be really d- delicious and when we tested it and tasted it it was delicious and it held up really really well so we're like that's it this is our dessert and we went with it
0: it was it was so beautiful and not only did it ho- hold up it i think you know i had it the next day and it i felt like the texture was richer and be- more even more beautiful probably than when originally presented and stuff and that's you know it's it, it's an awful way to have to think like that like what is the thing what is the food that will keep me safe and and fed um for pretty awful reasons and very true yeah and the the fact that i mean it it speaks to a lineage of of cooking that is about trying to make the best possible thing out of like horrifying circumstances for sure so uh, the research of that then um can you talk about how you started doing that
1: well, Google is
0: yeah. my best friend. <laughs> well, yeah,
1: all of us. This. <laughs> this, this is 2019. Um, so I, I definitely um, Googled, and I found maybe five articles, and mm-hmm. that's me being very generous yeah. about, like... And this is taking account of people giving their story as far as what they remembered when they grew up um, having to have a school box lunch. And um, Mofad also sent me some information yeah. that was super helpful. They sent me... Um, some articles and things so between the two I was able to like piece it together mm-hmm. and figure things out
0: yeah I mean it, it resulted in a really gorgeous thoughtful thing that I haven't been able to stop thinking of for, Very nice. for all this time so let's talk about you and pastry it's how, did you always know that this is something that you wanted to do not necessarily let's talk about you <laughs> <laughs> like did you grow up cooking like what how how did you what was your relationship to pastry growing up or just cooking in general because you're you you do savory too right um i love food mm-hmm. period um
1: <laughs> <laughs> but with that being said i grew up in a huge family and um both of my parents are from jamaica so i grew mm-hmm. up with my mom always cooking um she worked a lot but she also cooked a lot so regardless of how much she's worked she always made sure that she cooked or I also helped her with... um grocery shopping so mm-hmm. there was also that so i was the organizer of the coupons and oh, the circular same and it's such <laughs> there's such
0: pride in it right like yes. that was always my role like i really i i would sit there and like clip out the little coupons yes. and stuff yes i, I had so the scir-
1: i had the scissors i had an envelope that i kept the coupons in oh with the little folder yes yeah Same. Yes. <laughs> um keeping everything organized my mom always had um chest freezers in the basement because mm-hmm. like We'd go shopping, we'd come back with this huge load of food. We actually shopped with two shopping carts. My mom would have one, I would have one. So she would have a list, I would have a list, and we would kind of like meet in the middle. Where um, did you grow up?
0: I grew up on Long Island. Okay, so not very far at all. Yes, I grew up on
1: Long Island um, in Central Islo.
0: Okay, so you're, you're doing this with your mom and stuff, and then is she showing you how to cook while she's doing it, is it by default, or is it something where you very deliberately watched her?
1: I very deliberately watched her. And I don't think she realized how much I watched her or mm-hmm. even observed how she cooked, um, Cause there was this one time where we were trying to replicate her banana fritters. Actually, I, I shouldn't say we, it was one of my siblings mm-hmm. was trying to replicate it. And they're like, it's not coming out like Ma's, I don't know what I'm doing. And then I went up to it and I, to this day, I, I'm not even 100% sure what I did. I just added some flour and I just like kind of eyeballed it like how my mom always eyeballed it and like I tasted the batter and then I fried it and I'm like, here, taste this. They're like, it's just like ma's. And I was like, there you go. Oh my gosh, and did you write it down?
0: Did you like, or did is it a, like a muscle memory thing? Or? It's totally a muscle
1: memory thing. Like I, I feel like I'm very good at tasting a dish and then being able to figure out how mm-hmm. to get it to taste like that again. Um, But with that being said, there was certain moments where I would ask my mom to show me how to make certain things and there was Mm -hmm. other things where I would just watch her do it Mm -hmm. and understand how she did it.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like you, you said pretty big family. So you're also cooking at volume then. Yes. <laughs>
1: um, the holidays is definitely all about cooking in volume. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. Talk to me about holidays. So they're come up. Are, are you pressed into service at holidays? Like is it just sort of assumed because you're a chef that you will do this?
1: Thankfully things have gotten to a point where I am now asked to make salad, which I'm not sure whether to be insulted. Or um, (laughs) be happy that they no longer ask me to make anything um, too big. But um, if my I have a niece that also likes to bake, so I'll help her out if she wants my help. Um, She usually doesn't need it, but it's just like I'm here. Do you like something fun for us to do together? But. Yeah, last year I made like a homemade vinaigrette, and I got Mm -hmm. super into it. And I stopped at the farmer's market. I'm like, "Ooh, I got these special lettuces!" and
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's so lovely. So let's so you're you're watching your mom and you're learning how to do these things. When did you realize that this is something where you were gonna find your profession, your your vocation, your calling?
1: Um, I honestly didn't figure that out on my own. So I went to private school my whole life, Mm -hmm. and. Private school's a great thing, but it doesn't necessarily push you towards blue collar roles. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember at one point saying, I want to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And I took a civil law class that totally changed my mind on it. I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't (laughs) think I want to sit at a desk. That that sounds really boring. Like, this is cool information and all, but Mm -hmm. I don't think I want to do this. And so I remember discussing it with one of my siblings, with one of my sisters, and she's just like, Jessica, you're always in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Why don't you look into culinary arts? And I'm like, what's that? (laughs) She's (laughs) like, it's cooking. And I'm like, oh, well, um, I think I'll look into that. And so I ended up going to uh, New York Institute of Technology. Um, I did their culinary program there. And then I completed uh, my bachelor's degree with a degree in um, hospitality management.
0: OK, so that is a huge backbone of, of this kind of thing, because we were saying, uh, you know, you were doing the math and stuff like it's restaurants are about so much about math, mm-hmm. about math and real estate and yes. all of these things. And if yes. you are running a program, if you're running a pastry program or something, everything's got to be down to the penny. Oh, for sure.
1: Yeah. So it's constant about- costing, constant like, yeah.
0: It's, it's funny, I, like, you I, you know, I talk to, you know, younger people and stuff who, you know, they see all this stuff on Food Network, they see mm-hmm. pastry competitions, they see all these things, and they think, oh, that's going to be great, I'm going to be in there, and I'm going to be doing all these things, so I'm like, are it's you true. ready to sit down with a spreadsheet?
1: It's true, it's true, and it, it honestly wasn't until I worked at um, Nick and Tony's in the Hamptons.
0: Oh, yes. Yes. You, you have rather a time in the Hamptons. Yes.
1: I uh, I was out there for five and a half years. I started as pastry sous, by the time I left there, I was executive pastry chef, Ooh. and um, I remember the first few rounds of sitting with P&L sheets, and I'm just like, this doesn't make any sense. How do you, <laughs> how'd you get this number, or, or if like, if and they were really good there, because they would know if something was off by the penny, and we'd discuss like, for almost an hour, where did the penny go? Where'd the penny <sighs> go, and we're just like, uh ah here's a penny like (laughs) does that make things better speaking
0: Um. of my personal hell like like, i don't have the brain that can do any of this and i would probably just like panic and cry if i had to do any of this
1: well yeah i I remember one year we had to count um we did a yearly count of like certain dishes and i think i had to count like the number one seller there is the tartufo which Mm. Was the bane of my existence? Can D- I say that? Please do. Okay,
0: walk us through why this is the case. Like, a-
1: because we here here was my issue, which is has been my issue there since. Um, you work so hard on a seasonal menu, mm-hmm. and then there's like this token dessert that everyone loves for whatever reason, yeah. Whether it be nostalgia or it's just like the perfect flavor combination for that one person or whatever, and everyone's just stuck on that one. Dessert, and we can't get past it. Yeah. Can't get past it. Can't get them to try anything new. Can't get them to try anything different. It's just like that one dessert. And it's, and I guess I can say this on behalf of every pastry chef that it's very frustrating because people are more than willing to try different foods mm-hmm. and explore. But when it comes to pastry, if, if they can't relate to it on a very personal level, then that's a garbage dessert. And it's like, that's not fair.
0: That's, it breaks my heart. I saw a beautiful thing that you wrote about incorporating savory flavors into desserts and saying about the that sort of tightrope about flavors that are too out there. Because people really have this sort of canon of what they think of mm-hmm. as dessert flavors. Mm-hmm. But pastry is so much more than that. I love a savory dessert, personally.
1: Same. I mean, it's it's interesting because there's the camp of don't put fruit in my dessert. And then there's the camp of like, I love caramel or the Mm -hmm. camp of I love chocolate. So it's just, you're trying to appease so many people who have very
0: specific likes when it comes to
1: their dessert.
0: People are babies about, can we just say? They are. What (laughs) is this? Like they it makes them regress in a way that they don't necessarily with like savory dishes. Maybe because we have this memory of like growing up, like, you know, with a parent or, you know, some sort of relative who's like cooking these things. Is that what it is? Like, I think that has a lot to do with it. To be very honest, yeah. I think um
1: I don't know, like people when it comes to dessert, people like to be brought back to their childhood.
0: Is it be- I I'm uh, there's got to be something there because it it does have that nostalgia thing built into it. Maybe it's one of the first things you make in a kitchen with I don't know what that
1: is, but maybe I I it, I don't know cuz for me like growing up um eating for the most part, Jamaican food, like, mm-hmm. with a little bit of American food sprinkled in, it wasn't until I went to culinary school mm-hmm. and even, like, just living my adult life that I try started trying different foods. Like, yeah. I didn't have, let's say, for example, like, peanut butter and banana mm-hmm. until, like, age twenty. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then yeah. I tried it and I was just like, oh my
0: God. <laughs> Where's this been like
1: seriously, like why have people been hiding this from right. me? Or like even trying Nutella? And and this was really funny because everyone at my culinary school could not believe I had never tried Nutella before. <laughs> they were just like what kind of bubble have you been living in? And I'm like, I don't a
0: good one? <laughs> I, I guess <laughs> But I mean, this actually speaks to a problem in culinary and culinary schools in in particular to me, because there is a particular point of view, which like basically like a sort of white point of view that is seen as the default set of experiences, which that is n- not good, fair, useful, any of this kind of stuff. And it's just there seems to be this particular canon, especially in a lot of pastry that tends toward this like almost like either french or like kind of midwestern white kind of thing it doesn't leave a lot of room and
1: no it's that's very true that that's definitely very true and and i don't necessarily think it's always black and white cuz even mm-hmm. within like the black community i yeah. remember like in my private school school the few black people that i was surrounded with yeah i remember talking about like foods that i ate growing up or mm-hmm. i for example i i said um Telling a friend how I ate Kalalu like the day before, and she started laughing hysterically. And she's like, What's Kalalu? And I'm like, All right, well, this conversation's over because you just laughed at like what I grew up eating my whole life.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Don't yuck somebody else's yum, don't like laugh at their experience. It makes makes me just bananas uh, when people either for some reason it's a big social media thing but i think it's a thing in life when people say oh you don't know this particular thing how did you grow up i'm like i didn't grow up that way like you know share with me instead of ridiculing me it's
1: the truth because i also have been made fun of for not knowing what chitlins were yeah when i was in high school and i was just like i grew up in a jamaican household We don't eat chitlins. Yeah. I I don't know what to tell you. It's a funny
0: thing. Like, I was actually just in um, Oxford, Mississippi, Southern Foodways Alliance Symposium weekend before last, and Eduardo Jordan made, like, the fanciest-ass chitlins I've ever had in my life. But it was a really interesting thing to see who at the table was, like, diving into the chitlins versus sort of who was going to try it. And then the people who just said, oh, no, absolutely not. I'm like, one of the... Most decorated chefs in the U.S. has just made you something like Mm -hmm. try the damn
2: thing.
1: It's true, and the worst thing that can happen is you don't like it, and then just don't eat anymore. The polite
0: bite. It's (laughs) like really, so so you're in like culinary school, and so you have grown up with a canon of desserts. Talk to me. What are what are the desserts? And were you in there specifically for pastry, in Um, culinary?
1: So culinary school, I did everything.
0: Okay, Um, I
1: only had two baking classes, Mm -hmm. so like my pastry background as far as school's is concerned is super basic. Mm-hmm. Um it uh, probably on my third job at mm-hmm. being in the working world, I finally like was focused on pastry. Yeah. And my first sous chef role in pastry was um in the Hamptons at Nick and Tony's. Mm-hmm. So that was my first like I'm moving out of my mom's house. Mm-hmm. I'm stepping up as a sous chef. Just all the things. Everything's and, coming up, Jessica. <laughs> and I packed up my car and I drove
2: to the Hamptons. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: okay. I Full disclosure, I've never been to the Hamptons. So I have this version of the Hamptons that lives in my head. And it's a very... I Real housewife-y kind of thing. I don't know exactly, but it's something that it's like, it, it almost is, maybe this is horrible of me, but it feels like a very different kind of person than I am who would be out in the Hamptons and, and maybe have that reflect in the clientele. Uh, I just remember re- reading all these like Lizzie Grubman stories. Fair enough.
1: That's very fair.
0: <laughs> but I'm sure that's not the totality of it. Um,
1: the Hamptons is definitely its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, separate from the rest of Long Island, now I understand why people say the Hamptons because it's it's <laughs> literally its own thing it's It's very different um i and i on one hand, it's an imaginary world because mm-hmm. um even working out there you're offered to a lot of money to work out there because mm-hmm. of the seasonality of it, and it's so hard to get help out there, so yeah, like the paying wage out there is definitely way higher than it would be elsewhere. So there's that. But um, I mel- met a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds that I never mm-hmm. thought I would have met out there. Um, to be very honest, I thought it was going to be all white, but it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, I, I just sort of assume in my head that that's what it is. But then you have, like, Diddy and his white party or whatever it was.
1: Well, you also have to think about who is being the help. Right. The help needs to live out there. Right. So there's that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, so, that, so how is the help? treated out there
1: um I mean working for Nick and Tony's they were absolutely lovely Mm
0: -hmm. um I mean like the clientele (laughs) (laughs) well the clientele
1: wasn't always very nice
0: (laughs) I just it's again Lisa is an imaginary world so I'm just trying to sort of reconcile this thing like I don't know if I will ever actually go there because then it'll destroy this you know gossip girl actually that's the Hamptons that is in my head is the gossip girl
1: version oh and that's that's so sad like at, at this point I love going out there to visit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very lovely. It seems beautiful. Um, Montauk, I love more so than the mm-hmm. rest, even though Montauk is, has slowly gotten ruined by the rest. But Because um, <laughs> it was always the anti-Hampton, and, it was, and it's, right. it was like that extra leg that everyone wasn't willing to travel because it's just like, it's... Mm-hmm. Long Island's long, and it takes forever to get out there. It right. takes like, what, three Especially hours? Especially during the summer. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't bother in the summer. It's, it's really not right. worth it unless you're driving out there on like a Monday. Right. And then when no one else wants to be out there, which is perfect for a chef because then right. I could bug my friends out there and be like, hey, I want to come out for a Monday, Tuesday. And they're happy to host me because then on the flip side, when they want to come out here in the fall, winter, when right. I'm busy, then it's just like, oh, come through.
0: That's really nice. That's that's a really lovely. It's way a nice trade off. Oh, wait, and now I see, it like you know, Blade has helicopters out there, <laughs> that's a super fancy version of it. But that, like, that's got. So that's your first job out of uh, culinary school, is it, or were you?
1: No. Oh, so my first job out of culinary school. Um, well, I interned for a Marriott oh, okay. on Long Island, and that was very interesting because there was a woman who worked there who was from Barbados, mm-hmm. and because of her accent and speaking in Patois, the staff definitely didn't understand what she was saying a lot of mm. the time because she was definitely cursing them out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Did they deserve it?
1: Um, I, think, I think for the most part they had an idea, but they just kind of let her be. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and she totally, like, in a very motherly way, took me under her wing. And mm-hmm. I mean, this is my first job, so I'm not moving as fast. I'm you know, how trying old, to take things in. How old are
0: you at this point?
1: At this point, I'm probably like 18. Okay, little baby. Yeah, like baby Jessica, like right. very innocent, very naive, has no idea about anything, mm-hmm. trying to be a chef, you know, like yeah. the best way she can. <laughs> and I remember um, cutting fruit and, and being put on Omelette Station because no one else wanted to do Omelette Station. Mm-hmm. And minutes before my first Omelette Station service, she's showing me how to flip an egg in a pan.
0: So you didn't know? Oh. Wow. <laughs> I had no idea how to
1: do it. Like I, you know, you, I saw on TV like Chef Sauté. I didn't know how to do that. Like mm-hmm. how do you do that? It's now I know it's an arm motion. At the time I'm just like, oh, "Okay, she's like cracking egg. She's like let it cook. She's like you yeah, we're going to cook it, you know. Mm-hmm. And you're going to flip Flip, flip, and she's like, You're gonna sit there and you're gonna flip until you feel comfortable. And I did that for a solid, like, maybe five minutes. And she's like, All right, go outside, go do the omelets. I'm like, Okay.
0: Oh my God, but really good that she saw this and was and put herself there to like, she didn't just let you crash.
1: Totally, because she also pulled me to the side and she had a very specific conversation with me where Mm -hmm. she was just like, Listen, she's like, You're moving too slow. And mm-hmm. I looked at her, and I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the second thing that she said to me, she was like, take a look around. There aren't a lot of us in here, mm-hmm. meaning that we're both African-American. Yeah. And she was just like, we have to be better. We have to be faster. We have to do every so, – like, she, she really, like, took me under her wing, coached me, and I was just like, okay. like took, I it was like a sponge absorbing everything yeah. that she taught me, and um, – yeah, that that was my first job in the industry.
0: <laughs> oh my, uh, do you know where she is? Is she still there? I don't know. I have no idea. I, it's interesting. I'm so fascinated by hotel restaurants and the volume that yeah. happens there. I mean, if you're going to start off as a first job, like that seems like trial by fire. Mm-hmm. So how many omelets do you think you made that first day?
1: Oh God, who knows? Like, I, You know what's really funny? After um, interning there... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't eat eggs for a few years. That
0: doesn't surprise me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like getting like having to make something over and over and over so many times. Like I feel like there's so many chefs who like won't touch an egg now. But I'm
1: sure like I made hundreds and then having to learn what a Spanish omelet was versus like I don't even know anymore. It's been so long. Like oh. it's just and people expecting for you to know it cuz I remember the first time someone asked me and I ran in the back. I'm like, "What's a Spanish omelet?" <laughs> <laughs> do do you feel like
0: culinary school properly prepared you for working in restaurants? No. That's, uh,
1: that's uh, I, 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 <laughs> to, to, to like very short yeah. answer no yeah um to be honest like it it definitely gives a foundation of knowledge mm-hmm. for sure but I think internships are important I think being yeah. in the field is important because a lot of people approach it thinking that it's going to be Food Network yeah. glitz and <laughs> glam when in reality the day to day is not that at
0: all oh my yeah let's talk about that because it's it's brutal hours it is low pay it is getting yelled at it is it's a lot you have to really want to do it if you're gonna
1: do it for sure there definitely has to be a passion there um with that being said i feel like it's getting better i hope clearly far from perfect Mm -hmm. um but it's tough it's tough yeah. and and the amount of money that you're, you're expected to pay on culinary school versus what you're going to oh. make coming out of it um it's a huge oh discrepancy oh, well, so you
0: the cia i i mean that is is that several hundred thousand dollars i think if you're going to... i'm not even sure anymore i it's... i had
1: a cook that told me um and this is years back how much he spent on school and i'm just like
0: okay yeah yeah that is that is a lot and it's
1: and it's not and it's not an accredited program as far as like having a degree like you get a certificate yeah you're knowledgeable in this area but yeah all things considered that's a lot of money to drop
0: so much money and it's not like you're spending all this money on like medical school or law school or something like that where it comes so there there has to be something else that feeds you well that's the whole whole thing thing. (laughs) and and a lot of um
1: I want to say kids, but they're not always kids. Like, sometimes it's like a second, like, career yeah. kind of thing. And, you know, they get into it. And just to realize that's not for them. Yeah. I mean, when I was in, I think I was in the midst of school still when I met someone who was doing the program that I was doing, but at a different campus. And she was just like, yeah, I don't, after this internship, she's like, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy because you just spent a lot of money just to realize you don't want to do this anymore, which I'm sure it can happen in any career. Clearly it can happen in any career, but it's just
0: very wild to me. Yeah, I have a different career than I started out (laughs) in, but I don't regret it because I learned a lot of of things. It's actually a really great program that just started up in in, uh, New Orleans, uh, Nochi, New Orleans – culinary and hospitality institute or i think i got that right it's amazing because it it costs much less than uh like they worked with the cia on this and they boiled down everything from that long degree into something like five months Cool. the price point is way lower and it is a lot of like second career uh kind of people other people just starting out or second career people there it's like a cohort of maybe like two dozen people something it's like very small classes very nice I'm glad that people are refiguring this because it's.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great career. Um, it's, it's amazing if you can go to school because I I don't regret going to school. Like I don't yeah. I don't want it to come off that way. Like I totally yeah. like was all about it. I I again I was a sponge reading all the books, yeah. doing all the assignments, um, pissing off my classmates because I did all the things. <laughs> <laughs> I was that student. Um, well, but look where it got you. Well, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But um, the cost is just, it's it's a lot.
0: (laughs) So you're you're learning as you're doing, you went to school, you're learning as you're doing, um, are cookbooks figuring into this anywhere? Where are you getting your inspiration from like in addition to work? Because you always got to feed that other part of you.
1: Um, So when I was in school, to be very honest, I was pretty much reading um, our On Cooking book Mm -hmm. as far as like learning about history of food. Um, Becoming a Chef was one of our readings that we had to do. But um, to be honest, it wasn't until I was really in the industry mm-hmm. before. Um, I think my favorite cookbook that I picked up was Dory Greenspan. Oh God, she's so um, good. Book. <laughs> oh, she's so. <laughs> I incredible. took so many scone recipes from that book. Um, muffin her. recipes. Like her, her stuff was just so good, her and cookies. also, oh my god, listening cookies. to her like podcasts and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and learning that she wasn't necessarily the best restaurant chef, <laughs> 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 and that's okay because now she's made a lovely career writing books and and things. And I mean, her her recipes are amazing; they really are.
0: Oh, they're so wonderful! I, I feel like there is going to be this there was a wave of pastry chefs that happened I feel like in the 90s and the 2000s who maybe got a little lost in the shuffle and they're reissuing some of their things like Claudia Fleming's book is being reissued I'm very excited about it oh (laughs) my god and she's on Long Island now isn't she she's
1: on the North Fork I've been to North Fork Table (sighs) and the funny part about that experience was I ate my meal Mm -hmm. I, I went I did like a staycation on the North Fork, and I sat at the bar, mm-hmm. and <laughs> I didn't finish my meal. However, I still ordered dessert. Yeah. And so the person that was there, and I'm not sure if he was like a psalm or it was like a slow night, so it was in the off season. And he saw that I ate all my dessert, but I didn't finish my entree. And
0: then, then he had to know <laughs> about hospitality. Then he had to know about me. He's like, "Who are you? Basically, like, mm-hmm. how, how, what's going on?" <laughs> like, yeah, like he sees your sensibility, and that's a, that's good hospitality too to see like people's like you know what they're focusing on for sure. And
1: he, um, I explained that I worked at Nick and Tony's. I was just like hanging out, mm-hmm. you know, on the North Fork because I never really spent time up up there. And he brought me out another dessert.
2: Mm. Which I
1: finished, and I'm like, "All right, now you have to stop because clearly I have a second stomach, <laughs> a dessert <for> stomach, <laughs> dessert." Because he's like, "I don't understand." He's
0: like, "How does this work?" And I'm like, "I don't know." Oh my gosh, my <laughs> I don't know where it goes. My niece has a thing she calls dessert pants, <laughs> Nice. which I, lo- I like. like you go over to her house for a cozy evening. I like She it. issues her dessert pants, and I love that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so he sees this is happening, and
1: he sends he sends a second dessert out. I- finish that and then he finally sends out like maybe like two cider donuts and i'm giving Just him the for e- later, like <laughs> pretty much and i'm sitting there giving him the evil eye as i'm eating these cider Damn donuts you, and i can't
0: not eat this <laughs> and i'm signing for
1: the check and i'm like no more <laughs> that's it <laughs> no more um and even before that um my first summer at Nick and Tony's i think it was the 25th anniversary something mm-hmm. like that oh my gosh and um so there's this charity event that they have out there every year called the great chef's dinner Mm -hmm. and they were hosting it at nick and tony's in the parking lot there was like a tent and like a whole setup and so there were all these celebrity chefs like tom colicchio came Mm -hmm. through um i remember gwyneth paltrow was there um steven spielberg was eating dinner inside eric repair was there because i you know like being you know from well clearly i was still on long island but being from long island and being a small town girl like i didn't know who a lot of these people were at the time. Yeah. And I remember walking through the kitchen. Eric Repair was, like, going over a dish, and I needed to walk through with something. And I asked – I wasn't mean or anything. Mm -hmm. I I asked him, you know, if he could get out of my way. He was like, oh, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. And, like, the whole kitchen was quiet. Like, you could hear a pin drop. And then later on, my pastry (laughs) chef points to him. I was like, that's Eric Repair. And I was like, oh, man.
0: (laughs) I I asked him to get out of my way. Well, he was in your way.
2: (laughs) You should know better,
0: honestly. Like – Eric, come on,
1: man. But um, Claudia Fleming did her her famous, uh, what was it, uh, coconut tapioca pudding oh with passion fruit sorbet. And I had the honor of spinning her sorbet. Um, she sent the base to us and to spin okay. for her. And um, so that was my first interaction with her. But I, I've had very small interactions with yeah. her. I'm sure she has no idea who I am, but it's fine.
0: I, again, you're underselling yourself here. Like this is also an intervention of therapy session here for you to like. Thank
2: you, I appreciate sing it.
0: Praises, you, you make stuff that is thoughtful and worthy. But I think like. Her, I'm so excited. Her book is being reissued. I want people to to know about like Meredith Kurtzman. I want you know, I you know, or it's true. or you know, uh, you know the late great Gina De Palma. Like oh yes, yes, yeah. Who uh, made a lot of, of of desserts that people just think of. Is uh, you know default now, and she came up with these things. And
1: no, it's true. Like even um, who is it, Karen Damasco? Like oh god, yes. I got to Stage with her at La Conda before I was actually an employee at La Conda, which is really funny. Oh my god, that's so. Um, good. They had hadn't been open very long, and my chef suggested that I went there to Stage and. I'm like, all right. I don't. I don't know what this Laconda kind of Verde is, but you can send me there. And <laughs> <laughs> and I go and like Karen was lovely. Yeah. Um. She fed me every single day. She was like, the pastries would come down from the cafe. She was like, Jessica, did you eat? And it's just like, yes, ma'am. And oh. I'm like, going. <laughs> is this what women do? Get some pastries, and um, I think they were. Preparing for um, Off the Menu, that book. It was like the the book with um, all the family meals. Yeah. And she encouraged me to go... For the photo shoot, I was like, "No, no, I'm not an employee here. I'll just, you know, eat my family meal down here." She was like, "You will take a plate. You will go upstairs." I'm like, "All right, yes, ma'am." Uh huh. And so I took my plate. I went upstairs, and then my picture was in the book, even oh. though I wasn't like an official employee. So I feel like it was kind of but your foresh- went into it, foreshadowing when I was finally going to be hired by them. Oh my gosh, I, I believe in like
0: you know the the you know they say dress for the job you want. I'm like be in the group pictures for the job you want to have or something. But so you're talking about these these people who. Saw you and were like, hey, here are the the ways to, other you know, be be seen, be part of things, but telling you that you have a place, yeah. at the table and that yeah. you belong. So let's talk about that and how now you do that, <laughs> and because it's it, it is a thing where you know in, in pastry. It's an interesting sort of gendered thing in a, yes. in, a in a lot of ways. and uh, and also, frankly, there aren't as many black chefs out there as well in and par- especially not in pastry, yeah, I think. And so it was very important to have mentorships and you know just people you can look up to. who who was there for you, and how do you share that lesson now with young people coming up?
1: Um, I honestly think my
0: first—you are a young person too. <laughs> I always say that. Thank you. Um...
1: <laughs> <laughs> didn't mean to. Yeah. <laughs> I think my first true mentor was probably my first pastry chef in the Hamptons. Um, her name is Molly Harding. She probably blushes every time I say her name, um, but she she uh, sincerely was because she taught me seasonality, which mm-hmm. is something I didn't know or understand until working out there. Mm-hmm. Um, she also taught me to pay attention to um, current events because around the time that I got hired was when the election for Obama was happening. Mm-hmm. So um, she would listen to uh, NPR all the time, and I'm like, ugh, oh, this is so boring. But at the end of the day, it was very informative, right. and so, It just seeps in there. <laughs> exactly. Right? And uh, younger me was just like, ugh, oh, why she always has a station on this? is ridiculous. But and th- in the end, I was paying attention a lot more than I realized I was paying attention. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it wasn't just like her teaching me about pastry. It was mm-hmm. also like an encompassing mm-hmm. um, learning experience. Um, and then fast forward to closer to now, I would say, um, Karen Baldwin, who I worked with at La Conda Verde, for sure. Um, I feel like our styles are very similar in, like, rustic Italian, or just rustic in general. Um, (laughs) And um, she just taught me a lot about um, flavor combinations and just... Realizing that I have a love for making jams, I think that was I oh, I, I did before that, mm-hmm. but it was especially working there when she like taught me how to make an apple jelly, and it's mm-hmm. just like oh we well we need jams for brunch. You could do whatever you want, and it's just like oh this is great. And just learning, like a very simple formula to making a jam, and which I use to this day every single time. You know, like just the weight of your fruit plus, you know, sugar plus acid, and then that's it. Like it's it's so simple, but it it yields such a beautiful product.
0: Oh god, a good jam could just make your day. It can make
1: your really pre- can. It really can. It's paired with cheese, paired with toast, paired with like almost anything. Paired with my face,
0: <laughs> it's like <laughs> just want to put jam in. Like it's just such a it's such a beautiful thing, and it is one of those, you know. I I didn't have. You know, great jam as a child. I don't have, but you, you still, you don't know that as a kid. You think like, ah, oh, this thing I'm, you know, this very it's commercial true. thing I'm eating out of the jar is the best thing I've ever had in my whole life.
1: It's true. I was a Gooper girl. I loved Gooper. Oh my god,
0: with the 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 stripy yes. one. <gasps> yes, the,
1: we were. It's al- basically candy in a jar, but it like that was my favorite. <laughs> we
0: were only ever uh, once in a while allowed to get that, and it was the best day. And and because it was my sister and me, and we would sort of divvy like. You really have to have, like, a detente in your house for that to work or else somebody is just going to scoop it the wrong way. It's true. And that's and if a...
1: someone scoops it the wrong way, then, you like, you're just, you don't know how to eat this. Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: so frustrating. It's like it's everybody should be forced to, like, share a jar. And I, I want to make sure you're specifically talking about that stripey one yes. In there. Oh,
1: yes. a 100%.
0: Do they still make that? Yes, they do. Oh, my God. And what, what particular peanut butter is the one that – that you like, like that you grew up with. You was it the Goober Grape in particular that you liked? It
1: was the Goober Grape. Oh my God! There's nothing
0: like that, like peanut butter and grape jelly.
1: Like it's true, it's true. It's, it's something about that combination. It's it's just good. It just really, it just really
0: <laughs> really is. So, when, at what point did you realize that? you could have your own particular voice in the things that you were making that there is this canon of recipes sure that uh that comes down like you you have a you know a candlelight you have a you know whatever a napoleon like these particular formats and you know and there can be the recipe version of that when did you start making these things yours i
1: would definitely say that probably started once i became executive pastry chef at nick and tony's like i I probably the first year wasn't 100% me and it was definitely like inspiration from like past chefs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I progressed I mean l- let's be honest we all have to start somewhere and usually oh yeah I mean there's nothing original so you usually have to start.
0: <laughs> oh, that's, and it's really important like I, I went to art school and I used to just, you know say like you have to be able to paint the damn apple before you can start doing abstract work but or else, it's just it's not going to hang together. And like pastry is so much math and science.
1: No, it's true, and it's definitely a lot of mistakes made, or mm-hmm. or just like being sent back to the drawing board. Like presenting certain dishes to like my chef, and and that also helps too, because I usually have as many people <laughs> yeah. taste something as possible. That's great. Yeah, um, just to get the different perce- perceptions, because I might think something is delicious, mm-hmm. and you might think it's gross, um, or just not as delicious or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I. I would definitely do that a lot. And um, and I think closer to now, um, especially once I started at L'Artuzzi, um, I was very comfortable and confident in the repertoire of uh, recipes that I have as well. As um, our menu at L'Artuzzi is also very collaborative. So mm-hmm. like my sous chef chimes in, I even let the cooks chime in. It's just like, you have a great idea. Let's work together. That's Let's great. put our heads together and like figure it out. Like I, I don't necessarily want it to be a dictatorship because then mm-hmm. otherwise like, you know, you get bored. Like, I like I remember when I was a cook or mm-hmm. I was a sous-, sous chef or whatever. And in a lot of ways, I try to be the chef that I wanted or felt like I needed. Yes. Or that some of my chefs were. Yeah. So, it, like, I try to emulate that and try my best to, I guess, be the best positive role model that I can be.
0: So, let's talk through what that looks like because it there is cooking, but there's also being a person. There's being a, a human. and And I think that so often – when people are in a kitchen, I I think this is changing, but the culture had been up to relatively recently, you're not a person in the kitchen. It's very true. You're just making, making, making.
1: It's very true. And there's unfortunately a lot of kitchens that are still like that. Mm -hmm. Um, The number one thing that I will say to my cooks and to my staff is that we're still human. Mistakes will get made. Mm -hmm. You clearly have a life outside of here that things are happening. Um, I, I have a life outside of here where things are happening. Like, it, yes, what's happening here is important, but take care of yourself first. That's number one. Um, I think that's the biggest lesson I've learned, um, especially being in a pastry, like, executive role um, and handling, you know, a staff and things like that. Um, I think self-care yeah. is super important, and it's something that I have definitely realized that I wasn't good about because I was never taught to be good yes. about it. It's it's like life? What life? This is your life. No. No. It's, <laughs> That's not it, how it should it's be. It's so
0: <laughs> hard. Like when you have not been brought up to, with any notion of self-care, there's yes. mayb- maybe some self-preservation or yeah. there's like you just have to work, work, work. Yeah. It feels indulgent. It feels selfish. It, it does. And, and it's such a hard... And I'm only recently starting to try to learn how to maybe same do same. this so what are the things that you are, are finding how it's it's a really hard thing to, to do so how did you give yourself permission to take care of yourself and what are some of the things that you do um i think the
1: biggest thing that i did for myself is starting to go to therapy yay
2: therapy!
0: <laughs> oh my god yay
1: therapy um it, it was very extreme circumstances that pushed me in that direction. But yeah. I, and on one hand, it, it was good that these things happened yeah. to kind of push me to find help.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry that you'd be put in that situation to begin with. Whatever it was, that it, yeah, you know.
1: it, it it is unfor- unfortunate. But at the same time, I'm kind of happy. Like I'm yeah. I'm always looking for the silver lining, right. and I'm I'm so right. happy that that happened because otherwise, I would still like be suffering in my own head.
0: <laughs> it's it's a it, it can be a really dark and difficult place, and especially if you work in a kitchen where you're not encouraged to, you know, talk about this kind of stuff. I really appreciated appreciated that on your Instagram, you posted a really great mental health note on there.
1: Oh well, yes, uh, that that was super important to me, especially given um, everything that happened with Anthony Bourdain, and so, yeah, this is clearly an issue. Um, for people on every level and Mm -hmm. every industry is clearly not doesn't end with um, the restaurant industry, but it's, it's important to give people space to not be okay.
0: I agree with you. One billion percent. And
1: I feel like, especially in a lot of restaurant kitchens I've worked in, like it's not always accepted. I've, I've definitely seen people go through very serious issues, whether it be Mm -hmm. like a family member or a friend or whoever pass away or, or like, I don't know, dealing with their own bodies, like maybe there's something wrong or Mm -hmm. like being diagnosed with something. Like it it could be literally anything. And just being told like, and?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. They skip the funeral, they don't go to the holiday thing. Yes. And they become more and more detached. Exactly. That's not, I'm glad that.
1: It's, you shouldn't be existing, you should be living.
0: Thank you. Okay, the T-shirt, have you copyrighted that? Should there be a T-shirt somewhere? Because <laughs> it's so important. And yeah. my, the way my therapist, uh, my former therapist, uh, would say, and I loved him for this, um, you're a human being, not a human doing. And I yeah. and uh, I was like, whoa, yeah. like, how, who am I if I'm not just busting my ass exactly. 24-7? Exactly. So you started seeing a therapist. Then are, are there other concrete measures like – more sleep boundary, like how do you
1: my sleep has gotten better? it's not uh, perfect, it's but, hard. um, that's a rough one it is it, it's hard because, um, I've come to realize that I am a typically anxious person, mm-hmm. as I'm sure <laughs> wrote
0: a whole book about
1: it, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> so um, sleeping doesn't always come easy, but mm-hmm. I've been trying to give myself more space to sleep mm-hmm. um. I treat myself to massages, pedicure. Like, I mm-hmm. treat myself <laughs> and I treat myself well. Well,
0: it's such a physical profession. Yeah. I mean, like, you, that that's not even treating yourself. That's just, like, maintenance. Yeah,
1: yeah. It, it actually is. And I just recently started um, doing dance cardio. So, like, dancing was something that I've always loved to do, not necessarily mm-hmm. professionally. Like, a like a girlfriend of, my, of mine and I used to go every Friday night, and that was, mm-hmm. like, a huge outlet for me. Um, more so... I didn't realize until like, I didn't have it. And then I started like, going out with other people to go out dancing. And then they've just kind of trailed off to this point where I didn't have that anymore. Yeah. And I'm just like kind of existing. And I'm just like, I, I personally love dancing because it's a form of expression mm-hmm. without talking. Yeah, yes.
0: Your <laughs> body's telling you what to do.
1: Exactly. So um, that's something I've, I've been doing for the past few months, actually. Oh um, dance cardio so it's like yes I got a workout in but at the same time
0: you know I can like dance it out a little bit. <laughs> it's so oh my! I'm picturing a kitchen dance party at Oh we D- do all the time. You do? Yes we do <gasps> Oh my <okay>, god <laughs> talk to me about your kitchen culture because I love I love this so much. I recently did um, I had was talking to Cassidy Dabney from Blackberry Farm and I was talking about the power of screaming because like I, I think if you're in a place where it's safe to just like yell from the bottom of your stomach it's really healing and she's like oh my team and I do that every day in the dining room at Blackberry Farm. Are I'm you like, serious? Yeah. And it's such a great <laughs> thing. So at, we were doing this talk and uh, we actually got people together and and screamed. And it, yeah. it's so powerful. You have to do it from your stomach yeah. so you don't hurt your throat. Okay. But if you like yell while you're dancing, it's actually kind <laughs> of a great thing. Oh my God, I want And now I want video of like your dance parties in the kitchen. <laughs> Is there particular music? Is there
1: um it's it's actually kind of funny because sometimes on the prep list my sue will write um beyonce day on the top and then my cook will come in and just only play beyonce you know? oh my god i love
0: i mean that's gonna be such a great like positive tone for a kitchen to have unless it, it like i think mean, is there a particular uh song of beyonce's that's just like the thing
1: oh my god beyonce has so many and has
0: she been in the restaurant
1: i don't Think, now. I have to ask my GM. I don't think she has
0: though. Cause she's a good diner.
1: Um, she like I got to bask in her wonderfulness a little bit at La Conde Verde. Okay. Um, when I stashed there, she was there with Jay Z. Actually, mm. she was actually there with Gwyneth first. Oh, <laughs> and this is how I got to know that the two of them were even friends before the, like okay. any article was put out
0: about the two I of them being friends. I didn't even know this was a thing. It, it is a thing. Do, the do they just them- glow? Is
1: they kind of did a little bit, I'm not gonna lie. She looks exactly the same in person as she does in any photo. Oh and um, the two of them were sitting across from each other. She had security sitting at a separate table. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were two security people there and that made sense because now Jay-Z walks in. Uh huh and sits with them for a brief moment and then um, who was it Russell Simmons was having a party in the back (laughs) so it was like I'm like oh my god there's so many things happening there's so many people (laughs) this is so cool I'm like oh
0: this is wild (laughs) I just love that like that's so what a fun atmosphere to be in
1: no it was super cool and then like fast forward a few years now when I'm actually working at La Conde Verde now they're like renting out like the penthouse for Mm -hmm. like a night because they wanted a date night or whatever it is that they do when you're (laughs) fancy oh to be oh to be Beyonce fancy like
0: oh my god, but I love this. It's like I, I think that's so wonderful. Like taking care of yourself and listening to yourself and modeling Most importantly, modeling that behavior for people around you. For sure, so you have um, yeah.
1: Because I'm. I feel like I'm pretty good at judging when the cooks are off mm-hmm. and. I personally don't like to see that because I know what it's like to be in that place. So I'll try to pull them to the side and try to, not that they need to talk to me. Like they clearly don't have to, but like try to get to the root of what's going on. Like what, is there anything I can do to help make it better? Yeah. You know, just because like I said, at the end of the day, we're human. And I think it's very important, especially if you expect for people to continuously put out a product and Mm -hmm. put it out well. Like, you don't want miserable people <laughs> cooking your food. This like, is, you, uh, like it, it helps if people are actually happy and putting a little bit of love into I what they're mean, making for you. <laughs> this is
0: so beautiful and so antithetical to, like, that previous, like, abusive uh, brigade system, like, that happened before where, like, there's just a notion of how did people ever think that, like, yelling at people and, you know, being physically terrible to them was the best way to get good work out of people in a kitchen.
1: To be honest, like, even thinking back on my career, um... The few times I've been yelled at,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you're you're not getting the best out of me. <laughs> like, th- like you're trying to instill a certain level of fear. Mm-hmm. With all due respect, my mother will always be scarier than any human <laughs> ever. <laughs> so if you're trying to instill fear in me, that's not that's nope. not the way to go about it. <laughs> 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 that is not the way to go about it. Um so I if anything, it, it would make me angry. Yeah. And then just be like, all right, well. We we've got to figure out how to make you stop doing this because like this isn't going to play out well if you keep yelling. At this is me. not going to go well. Yeah.
0: So uh, you had hired a Sue. Yes. So what are the lessons that you want your Sue? What what is her name? Uh, Janae. Janae. What yes. do you want, Janae? What is the future in pastry that you want for her?
1: God, I want for her to have it all. Like she she's super talented. She really is. Um, when she came. And it's funny because she and I have discussed this. And when she came to interview, I knew as soon as I met her that she was probably going to be it. But, yeah. you know, of course, I had to be fair and do right. things. <laughs> um, and then her dessert was amazing. What and was it? It was um, a lemon meringue tart and she did a ginger snap crust. Mm. Um, I think she put pomegranate with it and I'm pretty sure she did a gelato, and of course I can't remember what it was. But it, that, to be honest, because I still talk about it, that ginger step <laughs> crust was just everything. And um, she made a similar dessert to another person and the chef and I had her dessert, and we both looked at each other, and we just, like, kind of nodded, like, yeah, this is it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, your your
0: tongue can tell you, like, and it was just, like, her as a person and her on a plate. Yes. <laughs> oh yes.
1: God. Both things. It it just totally added up. And um, to be honest, I feel like we mesh
0: very well. Um, yeah. That's really, really <laughs> nice. If you were to sort of put you on a plate as a dessert, what would that dessert be?
1: Oh, wow. Me as a dessert on a plate
0: that you didn't have to worry about, is this gonna sell well? Is this gonna freak out the customers who want their tartufa? <laughs>
1: right? Um, I
0: personally love
1: bananas very, very, very much. Yes. And um, there's actually a banana fritter that I have done in the past that is my favorite, and that's definitely me on a plate. Because it, it's an homage to my heritage and mm-hmm. you know my mom and the food I grew up on, but at the same time, I took it and I totally tweaked it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah that's yeah, that's it,
0: and then what is the holiday dessert that is the thing?
1: oh my God, um like that I normally have with my family or just in general like a
0: yeah what what is the family dessert thing that you're like, oh, it's not the holidays without this particular
1: see now, I can't to me, this is dessert, but at the same time it's not it's all right. So there's this traditional beverage, um, Jamaican beverage, carrot juice, Mm -hmm. that sounds a lot healthier than what it is. (laughs) Um, So it is actual carrot juice, Mm -hmm. and you mix it with condensed milk, and you add nutmeg, and ginger like some people do ginger some people don't um so it's like spices condensed milk Mm. carrot juice and it's my favorite and when the holidays come around I look to my mom like you make carrot juice and she makes it because she knows I like it and I'm not the only one who likes it I have other siblings who like it too but I try to hoard it for myself that's such a (laughs) lovely
0: lovely thing so is uh we're coming up on the holidays this must be like Super Bowl time for like the most intense uh time of the year it is how do you um Get ready for that, like physically, emotionally, all the things. Get rid, because there, uh, do you do, like? Are there takeout orders too? Or are the people ordering? Uh, can you order desserts like separately? Well,
1: we have um, cakes that mm-hmm. we'll do for pickup. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Then we also have like the catering parties, and oh. then just the restaurant being busy in general. So um, as far as preparation. Staff up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Staff up. Extra Beyonce that day.
1: Staff up. um, Yeah, just make sure that your orders are are up to par. Like, you have everything in-house that you need. Mm. And try to get as much rest as you can. And you show up each day and just work your magic. And it's it's interesting because during the off season we don't get that many cake orders so when it's like we're in it and I'm, I have all these sheets and I'm like trying to line them up and mm-hmm. I'm just like okay, all right, we need olive oil cake and then a yellow cake and then a chalk, okay, and what kind of frosting do they want? And I'm like oh trying to gosh. line up all the things. It's so much.
0: What is the number one dessert that, that gets sold like at, on a regular basis and then at the holidays?
1: Olive oil cake all year round, doesn't <sighs> matter. Does what is matter. that about it, why? is?
0: I mean, I love I love cake. I love oil cake. olive oil
1: cake too, and our our recipe um, is probably more simple than everyone realizes how it is. <laughs> um, it's, it's a very simple recipe, and we just sell it by the piece, and we serve it with raisin marmalade and whipped creme fraiche, and it's it's very simple. Oh, and sea salt on top of the creme fraiche, mm. so you get the sweet and the salty. And the cake is super moist, um, and I and I think that's just why people gravitate towards it, because it's very simple, and the flavors, like, really complement each other.
0: you make me so <laughs> hungry with this. I want that so badly right now. And then, is there any time during the holiday that you just get to relax and be? Christmas.
1: Okay. Because so. our restaurant, so our restaurant's closed Thanksgiving Day, and then we're closed Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, mm-hmm. which is, like, pretty much unheard of. And so that's perfect like I get to have Christmas Eve to myself for the most part and then um Christmas Day is like all with my family so
0: oh that's so lovely yeah and some carrot juice (laughs) yes oh that's so lovely so I have a few questions that I ask everybody who comes on here so we're uh, putting this out into the universe it's like the secret to the Oprah moment (laughs) because I really believe in the in we were saying about like you know you show up in the picture you get the job later. Yes. What is the thing that you can say out into the universe that people can help you get to? Now what is the, what is the dream, the thing you want for yourself?
1: I hmm I think my dream right now is to be able to travel, cook, eat. Yeah. Sounds so simple but like if I could have a job where I could do those three things. Yeah.
0: I was it was saying before this i had stalked your Instagram trip to Italy and yes. it looked amazing. So it, what what would be on the travel itinerary?
1: Um definitely like the Philippines or Japan. Like I've never really been to Asia before, so yeah. like pretty much any of like the main staples there. Um I would love to go back to Australia. I would love to oh, go to New Zealand. Yes. Um Italy but a region where I haven't been, so maybe like Sicily or I don't know. But yeah, those those would be like the top places I would want
0: to go. So we're gonna get you a travel show. Yes, where? Yes. Let's yes. like, can we put this into the universe <laughs> For sure. too? Because like you, would, you would so <laughs> kick ass at this. So put it into the universe, whoever is listening to or, or watching this, like, get Jessica a show <laughs> or something like that where she gets to, like, go around and do all these things. Because the yeah, world would absolutely. be so much better.
1: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, and its I'll jokingly say this, but if I can have, like, a show where I can travel and just learn how people who are making amazing food do mm-hmm. their food, like, I'd, I'd throw on an apron, I'd go in the kitchen and learn how to, like yeah cook anything and it doesn't have to be pastry like I love food in general so it doesn't matter
0: I think you're Anthony Bourdain now like you could like I think I mean honestly like I think a show like that would be such a beautiful thing it'd be amazing I would love to be in a in a, in, a, in a in a world where people learned all these things from you I think that would be a great thing
1: yes I would I would feel very special if that happened yay okay so we're
0: we're putting this out to the universe actually can we pinky swear on this that's right yay <laughs> yay universe hear this have you ever cried in the walk-in no. Have you had any emotion in the walk-in?
1: <clears throat> Not in the walk-in, in the office, yes. Okay. In the office, yes. And and it's funny because I actually heard this question that you <laughs> that you have asked other guests. <laughs> um uh I, actually, I sincerely thought about it cuz I'm like I don't think I have cried in the in the walk-in. Mm-hmm. I have in the office. And usually about things not having to do with work, yeah. and then I thought about something that where I did cry about something at work. So I'm like, <laughs> all right, so I, I did cry about
0: something. It at is work. it is a powerful <laughs> space, the walk-in and the and the office, but also you have office access. So. Well,
1: our restaurant is super tiny, yeah, and also our walk-in doesn't have like that window oh, where right. you can see who's coming right. so it's that's not a safe right. space right. at our right. restaurant right. to like shed a tear because then someone's gonna walk in and there's not that much space and it's like an awkward trying to get <laughs> the walk in so that you can
0: like just gonna walk around <laughs> exactly it's there's the flower like oh my gosh so what is your comfort food
1: oh god uh, my comfort food is almost any jamaican food to be honest mm. like aki and saltfish, and dumplings and callou and Again. Curd
0: goat, curry chicken, stew chicken. Making me hungry again. Is there a particular place, uh, because not everybody can go to your house, is there, is there a place that you like to go and get it?
1: Um, I usually go home for it, to be very <laughs> honest. <laughs> no, I, I, I usually do. Uh, as far as somewhere, because I feel like someone usually gets it for me. Mm-hmm. Um I used to like Miss Lily's when they had their mm-hmm. um to go spot on the side which unfortunately closed cuz they oh, used no. to make like these handmade um patties that oh. had like ackee and sawfish inside and things like that and their rotis actually was really good. Mm-hmm. I mean they still have the restaurant there they just don't mm-hmm. have like the to go spot that right. was on the side. I like when I saw that it closed that was very sad. Oh. No.
0: <laughs> sorry. No, again, making me hungry with all of this. <laughs> what is the last meal that you had that made you emotional?
1: Ooh. Um, probably a meal, I want to say it was this past January, but maybe it wasn't, but it was a meal that I had out on Long Island at a restaurant called, uh, I think it's called Tula's. Yes, Tula's. Um and it was mainly emotional because um my brother had just passed away and I'm we decided so to sorry. have dinner there so that 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 was the huge reason why it was emotional. Yeah. Um they have amazing food. <laughs> yeah. The occasion wasn't that great but they have yeah. amazing food and just the whole experience.
0: And food can be so powerful in those moments where you're trying to reckon with for sure. Tea, like
1: we like picked his favorite foods and all that.
0: Yeah. That's really, yeah, that's a really important thing. I yeah. think that's a great way to honor people. I've definitely done that. Like go to somebody's favorite restaurant, get the thing they would have gotten. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And you're also making me think a lot about uh, Long Island and how I should really like, <laughs> go out there and get some food. There's some good food out there. Yeah. It's health <laughs> that way. I mean, uh, you still have to... Don't know if I'll ever get to the Hamptons, but you've convinced me I'm like, that's 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 very fair. <laughs> baby steps, just baby it's, steps. it's a little drive a little <laughs> bit further every time. Uh, what is the last time that somebody cooked for you in their home?
1: Um, outside of my mom.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like your mom is a really good cook,
1: she really is. Uh, the, who has cooked for me recently? Um. Probably the guy I've been dating. Oh, okay. <laughs> what did he cook? Uh, he, God, what did he make? He made, um. I think it was like a traditional Trinidad meal. Like he mm. heated it up for me. Um, there was like uh, roti sleeves and there was like a curried, chicken or goat or something like was that. he
0: intimidated because you're a chef
1: I don't you know I'd like to say he, <laughs> I don't intimidate him but I may I don't know <laughs> good he should be <laughs> was it good it was delicious oh, it was so
0: good see sir please cook for her <laughs> put the smile on her well, face well
1: he he's also in the industry so I, I honestly don't oh, force okay. him like we're usually getting takeout or sitting right. at a table yeah that's the thing it's like chefs
2: don't cook at home they're no. all <laughs> like no. go
1: out and like he he does cook at home a lot but I'm I'm usually not the reason why right I, I'm usually like relax you don't have to cook for me it's fine I, know, I understand
0: that's really nice <laughs> that's still, I want people to cook for you people don't cook for chefs and they should uh, what living musician would you want to cook for and what would you cook for them
1: oh ooh. um I'm trying to think of who I like a lot yeah
0: and you get to sit down and eat it with them by the way how about Lizzo? <gasps> Hello, Lizzo. What would you cook for Lizzo? What
1: would I cook for Lizzo? I don't know what she likes. I would want to find out what she likes, so I make what she likes. Right. Um, Like a full meal or just dessert?
0: Anything you want. It's Lizzo.
1: <laughs> I would, I'd probably keep it to my roots and cook like a Jamaican-style meal, to be yeah. honest. And I would probably do like rice and peas and like, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe like a curd goat, curry chicken, or even something jerked and yeah. just... You know, keep it super simple and and like things that I would like and hope that she likes them too.
0: What would the dessert be? I mean, it would have to involve juice somehow.
1: Uh, whew. well, actually, for dessert, I would probably do either something banana or something with plantains. Because mm, yeah, you or uh, even both.
0: No, you, you want <laughs> bananas so badly, and I love plantains, and I haven't had a whole lot of like dessert plantains. So
1: I have. I I've actually had um. A Sunday with uh, caramelized plantains yeah. and banana gel. This is probably what I was thinking of when I thought about yeah. <laughs> making something um, with banana gel- ice cream and then like caramel sauce and. Oh my god. There might have been nuts on it. I actually don't remember if there was nuts, but like oh. the whole combination of just like banana and banana like like different ways and diff- yeah. yeah temperatures textures like i'm i'm all about it It was oh. great
0: okay so on this cooking show too you're going to be doing the bananas and plantains of the world <laughs> as we're,
1: we're going around doing this yes because once i've learned that there's so many different strains of bananas i'm like why do we only have one here the
0: monoculture it's terrible why? there was just <laughs> recently something with bananas about like uh like bad batches or something because of the stupid monoculture mm-hmm. and it's so frustrating i want to try different kinds and it's true yeah, because I have a difficult time like gut wise with a certain amount of carbs, like I eat a fair amount of plantains. Yeah. So yeah. like yeah, we gotta have more of those various kinds.
1: Well, I even feel like things like that is just due to the way that we um industrialize our food in this country.
0: Oh yes. Like if, if we're
1: gonna dive that into that like really quickly, like it like I have a niece that has like a lot of allergies and even finding out about different allergies and things like that and understanding that it's pretty much for the most part a first world problem. Mm-hmm. So like maybe we should start looking at the way that we raise and produce our food. <laughs>
0: Usually. And and I think there's a big story to be told there in pastry with this, especially with grains, especially with all, all and, and fruits and all of these things.
1: And it was really interesting traveling with her because when we were in France and we were at a bake shop and we were trying to ask if there was nuts in certain things and, The person said no to this one particular dessert and i knew traditionally in french culture like that has a nut flour in it and Mm. i looked at my niece i'm like don't get it (laughs) because i I didn't want for her to like have a reaction and then you know she ended up getting absolutely nothing at the big shop so then i felt bad but it's it's tough and it's you know it's not just the us it's also the uk and just certain Mm. industrialized countries where this is a huge problem and it seems to be less of a problem in other places Mm -hmm. so it's You know, maybe we should start looking at how we do
0: things. I want your banana festo on this. (laughs) 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 I just feel like you can solve all the problems in the world this way. It's true. It's true. A lot of them, at least. Yeah. (laughs) Final question. Yes. You have five uninterrupted minutes for self-care. What do you do? Five
1: uninterrupted minutes. I'm probably
0: stretching yeah what do you what's your stretch is it it's a back and neck a, like a...
1: uh my legs usually okay and specifically like my calves have been super tight so like I I've recently alongside with my dance cardio I have been also right. doing um where I go they also have what they call flex which is similar to yoga so I've learned a few poses so I'll, I'll probably do like a few like pigeon poses and lizards and just in, trying to in the kitchen um I'll do it in the kitchen I actually have stretched in the kitchen. I've I've actually been stretching and had someone come around the corner and get like frightened and like Jessica, what are you doing? And I was like, My legs are tight. Oh my god.
0: Well I hope they joined you for stretches too. Usually not. Oh
1: it's okay though. Oh
0: my gosh. I it's been such a pleasure having you here thank you. like thank and, you for inviting me oh my gosh i i, I felt <laughs> so dorky just like slipping into your DMs. but, <laughs> but you really shouldn't <laughs> but the but the dessert was it really did make such it it was it it was emotional it was a it was a beautiful thing and a perfect cap to a really important meal i can't stress enough how much people need to go and see this exhibit when it, it comes in 2020 MoMA. 100
1: percent 100 percent um you know, I hope to be more involved with it, and it's it's super important. Like if, you know, um, the donating, the just making people aware that this is even happening like it, yeah. it's a really really big deal
0: and the uh there's a kickstarter right now it might be done by the time this airs but they're they're trying to get was it the the ebony ki- test kitchen yes yes moved from i think is it chicago or something to but what they're trying to preserve this basically yes. a really important piece of, of history so uh, it, go Mofad. I think they have a fair amount of information on their their site. They
1: totally do. I was actually looking at it um, earlier today. The, all the information's
0: there. hundred yeah. percent. And maybe I don't know if it's going to tour after this or not, but it's so important. And I'm so glad you're a part of that. I'm so glad I got to eat your food that night and to get to sit down with you today. I and then, too. yay! So people can find you on the social. At, yes. at I love your handle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> D A Chocolate Chef. Yay, 84 yay
0: and uh, really stalker on instagram is beautiful <laughs> you get to see beautiful uh, works in progress and trips and and all this and thank you and, uh, and they can come and eat your food at Lertussi they can have your ricotta <laughs>
1: yes yes lots of ricotta <laughs> never worked at a restaurant that sold more cheese than we do <laughs> oh
0: my god to so go eat her cheese and learn from her and uh, maybe have a dance party <laughs>
1: yes we, we're always pleasant, playing good music
0: <laughs> yay well thank you so much to Jessica and thank you to our producers Jennifer Martnick and Holly uh, Tarpley thank you to Douglas Wagner for our delightful theme song and you know what if you Liked listening to this podcast, it would be really amazing if you would tell people about it. If you would find it in Apple Podcasts or, or Stitcher or wherever it is that you get your podcast. And you, those stars and those reviews, they really help people find us. That algorithm, the cursed algorithm, it actually can work in our favor. And if there are people you want to hear from, if there are topics you want to hear about, I'm pretty easy to find. I'm kitten with a whip on Twitter. You, I'm I'm findable. Just let me know who you want to hear from. Maybe stuff I don't know about. Like, let me in on it, and uh, we'll try to get that person into the studio. And you can find out more. You can go to foodwine.com, You can see the videos there. You can go to Food and Wine Pro. Sign up for the newsletter, and you'll never miss an episode of this. And the most important thing, take good care of yourself. Until the next time, maybe have a little dance party in bananas. <laughs>